You're listening to What the Folklore, making sense of senseless tales. Welcome, listeners, to episode 17 of What the Folklore. Is so, it really 17? It's the 17th. I'm wow. so glad you can count. I'm the countinous. You are the count. <laughs> the count. <laughs> <laughs> I can only count odd numbers. It's very. It's my, it's my one weakness. It's a very specific learning disorder. Yes, and you'd, and think, you'd think I'd be able to figure it out. <laughs> and your, your alter ego, the even count, shows up. In the episode sometimes yeah. to help you out. You'd think I'd be able to fill in those gaps from day to day. It's a lesson in teamwork. It's true. Also, having half of your brain removed and implanted into another person. An important lesson to learn. Yep. So, that, <laughs> listeners, was an example of folklore. <laughs> Which just... is what happens when somebody makes something up and doesn't have to cite any sources to teach lessons. That's very apt for today's story, actually. Oh, great. Is it really? That's, That's... terrifying. <laughs> oh, I'm a little... That, you're, that you're using uh, folklore in an educational sense. Yep. Today's folklore teaches history. Oh, good. In the most I know that. factual way possible. Wow. It's good that I know all history, so I'll be able to dispute it. I wish the listeners could see the smug face <laughs> you ended that on. <laughs> you know all history. I know all history. All the history. Mm, yes. And we- therefore, when there are inaccuracies, I will point them out. When was the Battle of Hastings? Uh, 2287. <laughs> that's futury. Okay, just, yeah, that's right. Just just wanted to, that was a test, you passed. <laughs> Flying colors. As per usual. Uh, I'm Tyler Crowley, I'm the timekeeper. I'm, uh, I'm Carmanda, I'm the storyteller. I'm Gordy. I'm, I'm, I don't know why I wanted to say a state senator, that's not true. <laughs> I don't think you can impersonate state senators. Um, I know all history, and it is true. Which, oh, for which year? Oh. This year. Wait, do you know... Coming up. Do you know forward history mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. A.K.A. the all future? All history. What part of all is so hard to understand? Oh, okay. I... Uh, yeah, that, no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, so I will be a state... This year. Yeah. Also, strangely apt for this story, you guys. <laughs> there are state senators in this story? No, but there are predictions and, and like, government positions. There are meteoric rises to government power? Yes. Great. Um, with the prediction involved. Spoilers. So you keep mentioning a story. Why, why do you do that? Well, I have been tasked... <laughs> It is is your duty. Mystery science theater style. Pretty much. (laughs) To read stories to the two of you (laughs) in spite of your many efforts (laughs) to stop me with movie references and uh, various sidetracks. So I all checks out so far. I have a piece. Value added something about math. Yep. There's a word, there's a word, I don't know what it is, never mind, keep going. It's that kind of leadership that we need in the Senate. That go-get-em-take-charge-attitude. <laughs> My opponent doesn't know something about math. 
Vote Gordy 2016. State Senate. What state? It doesn't matter. The yeah. state oh. of being. Yeah. <laughs> Vote state senator of the state of being. The state of is. The state of now. <laughs> I feel like we need campaign posters now. Sure. I want a moon flag, though. Like the actual moon flag that we just made? Um, or not? that's not a moon flag. That's a planet Earth, Earth flag. It's a planet Earth flag. It just went on did it go on the moon i don't know we it went to space we haven't sent people to the moon in a while not for a while if ever if you believe if, this, the claims sure anyway this They're, is an uh, example of the type of sidetracking oh. that i have to tell a story <laughs> you, through you can hear all about the so-called moon landing on my new asmr video series <laughs> where i just do ear-to-ear ramblings about conspiracy theories i do want you to start that at some point <laughs> My goal is to make you as uncomfortable as possible <laughs> while relaxing you at the same time. You're going to start feeling clammy and gross while you listen to it because your body's not going to know how to react. Hey, listeners. Did you know that jet fuel can't melt steel beams? It's just a taste. It's just an example of the things you could experience. You feel calm and paranoid at the same time. <laughs> it's the goal. So you were in the middle of telling us what we do on this show. Well, you guys are in the middle of being the example of why of how much you try to stop me from doing this. Yep. Um, I have here a folktale. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but June is Adopt a Cat Month. I did know that. Did you? Of course. Surprise! No, oh, nothing no surprises me. <laughs> right. I knew it last year, and I know it next year. <laughs> so, in an unprecedented what the folklore taking a cause that exists in the real world, and not just one we make up, we're reading a story about a cat to support Adopt-A-Cat Month and to just try and get the word out there. We also have a special spokesperson oh. to explain why you should adopt a cat. So, Cricket, you were a shelter cat. How would you say adoption changed your life? What an incredible testimonial. <laughs> That's <laughs> truly inspiring. <laughs> you, too, can change a cat's life by adopting them. It is kitten season currently, so shelters tend to be pretty full. Um... Consider not only adopting a kitten, but an adult cat. They have less energy, so if you tend to be tired of pulling creatures out of blinds and... And bathtubs. And tiny holes in the cabinetry, um, an adult cat is the right one for you. So the story today will tell you just what adopting a cat can do for your life, as well as, well, mostly just for your life. Cricket, explain what you can do for theirs. All right, so today we're going to be reading The History of Whittington. Whittington? Whittington. Whittington. Sounds British. Sounds like it's from Brittington. This is a tale from the British Isles. The British Isles? Yes. Governor? (laughs) Hello, mates. What's all this, then? (laughs) There's a hungry cat next to the microphone. (laughs) He's about to go on a helicopter ride. (laughs) No! Yeah, we will apparently be doing this podcast with much assistance. Seems that way. This is Arne Thompson type 1651, which is Whittington's cat. It has its own type? It does. And this tells the folklore tale of real-life Richard Whittington. What? This is a folklore story. I mean, I know Richard. Personally? Yes, I know all history. 
Personally. Yes. So you don't you didn't just memorize all of history, you met it and shook its hand. <laughs> yeah. Took it out to dinner. I didn't know they were writing stories about them that aren't true. I take offense to that, because I only say and know true things. Oh yeah, that's that that is one hundred percent true, because you just said it. Yeah. So are, are you ready to hear the one hundred percent true folklore of Richard Whittington? Did Richard uh, Whittington write thereof? this about himself? We'll find out. Dick Whittington was orphaned. <laughs> Dick Whittington. Oh, that's not a joke. Dick, Dick, Dick Whittington was orphaned at a very young age. So young that he didn't know his parents or his birthplace. Um, nothing is really said about his infancy or young, young childhood because apparently he just wanders around. Like the and house? The the world i like to think he just wanders around his house it's just a globetrotting baby uh, yeah like i i like to think he was born and then like maybe <laughs> just a baby with a stubble <laughs> born to ride the rails <laughs> yeah. flannel shirt hiking boots and a flag on his backpack which flag all flags every flag as he collects them the and then he goes all... back to London, and the story begins. It's the goal of all hobos. Well, it doesn't start in London. Hobo. He's, ho, he's a vagrant. Hobabes. Hobabes. What are you trying to say? Tyler what, broke. What word is happening? I'm trying to portmanteau hobo and baby, and, but it, it doesn't want to work. And hobaby is ho, not. No, I don't like that. It's hobo, too simple. Babe. Hobebo. <laughs> oh. Hobebo. Hobebo. Hobebo Hotel. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's what I was going to say, but then that goes in unfortunate directions. <laughs> Pool's closed. Continue. So, um, this baby slash child becomes a vagrant wanderer. Yep. kind of hangs <laughs> out. Um, I, I have to backtrack no. when you guys go off the rails. They know. <laughs> I don't anymore. They're... Our listeners are smart people. Savvy. Worldly. Like this baby, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> One day he finds a wagoner who's going to London, and uh, this wagoner is very kind and lets him walk next to the wagon. And I won't charge you anything for the privilege of walking of next to me. being near me. Wow. But this is, this is portrayed as being a really charitable act. Um, that he's the baby thinks so. I think he's an actual child at this point. Like, with limbs when does and that? When is that crossover? They never say. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna call him baby until he's 15. Our hobo, so let me know when we get to that babies point. Our hobo babies or babos. Are they like pariahs in society? Would they not be? If you were, what if, else can they be? If you saw a baby wandering around with a stubble but and a with, bottle of liquor, with a stubble, <laughs> with a stubble and a bottle think, of moonshine, I think that is a, a man that you buy dinner for and you listen to <laughs> Tim spin some yarns. He's not a man; he's a baby, and all his yarns would be. I got Okay, <laughs> he's I really also like drunk. that picture I have in my head of a baby doing that on the side of the street with like a five o'clock shadow, a candy cigarette, and a bindle with a rubber ducky in it. <laughs> That's his only possession. Drinking hard liquor out of a baby <laughs> bottle that he keeps in a brown paper bag. Yep. I think we found our movie poster for this one. Yeah, <laughs> I might animate it. <laughs> the ho-babo um, walks next to the, the wagon. 
thrilled to death for this killer deal yeah. this guy is offered him. Yeah. Until they get to London, and he's real excited about going to London because he's heard that the streets are paved with gold. But when they get there, he's pretty disappointed to find out that instead that's of... that's actually Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> that and someone was lying to him. Is this the Muppet movie? <laughs> I guess so. I don't know if it's just a thing where a place Big that's city. important is just paved with gold. Like, all of America was supposed to be paved with gold, too, so London just outsourced that responsibility <laughs> to its colonies. Gotcha. I mean, that's what the colonies were for. Gold paving? Not paving, but gold, like... Out- outsourcing expectations and dreams. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, people came over here, and they're basically just like, hey, Indians, gold, please? He's obviously disappointed to find out that the streets are, in fact, just covered in mug and mud and probably horse poop and drunk people pee. So now he's all... That he's about to add to. <laughs> yeah. So now he's all alone in London with no friends or money or food, um, which I'm not sure is a big change from when he was all alone in the fields outside of London. They didn't give us much of the world before he accepted the call to adventure. And we don't need the to other know. World of yeah. London. We don't the parts know where he came from. from. So, so we just the, need to know that he's disappointed now, yeah. and that the Allman Brothers would do the soundtrack, right? So even though the wagoner wagoner was so charitable to let him walk next to him for however long it took to get to London, uh, he immediately takes care not to know the boy when they get to town. We don't know each <laughs> other. Get lost. Uh, we didn't come into town together. Don't let anyone know that I was with you. I've never seen you. I don't even know your name, me. baby. <laughs> you go drunk. Don't look at me again. You go, you go be a drunk cobabo <laughs> without any connection to me. <laughs> Liquor store's over there. So it didn't take long for the boy to get cold and hungry and wishing that he lived in a kitchen by a fire. He kept asking people for help, and every time he would beg for some charity, he was told to to get a fi- to find a job, you bum. And he said he'd be perfectly willing to, and told one particular man that he would work for him if he'd let him. And the man mistakes this for impertinence rather than showing willing to work, and smacks him with a stick so hard that it cracks his head open and leaves him bloodied. So now the hobo baby is bleeding out in the street. <laughs> yep. I wonder if this is a look at our future <laughs> in this country. Smacking babies till they bleed out in the middle of the streets. More like, like I every, shouldn't like, have voted for you. Like nobody has jobs, and they keep asking for them. And sooner or later, it's just going to be seen as impertinence <laughs> that you even want one. <laughs> so now he's nearly fainting with hunger and blood loss, and he lays down on the doorstep of a merchant named Mister Fitzwarren. Um, and the cook of the merchant found him there, and she's an ill-natured hussy. Aren't they all? Yep. Oh my. And orders him to go about his business or she'll scald him. Scald him? Yep. Oh. Like, with hot water, I'm assuming. Uh, Mr. Fitzwarren comes home and finds the cook thus... Scalding a baby. Just threatening this baby. <laughs> and uh, then scald. And, in- and informs him that he needs to go find a job also. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby bleeding out. <laughs> so the boy explains his situation and that he tries to stand up but he's too weak and kind of falls back over. And a baby. And a baby. As you have made canon. <laughs> so maybe maybe his motor skills haven't quite developed yet. Especially since he spent most of it drunk and vagrantly yeah. wandering. He's still learning how to sit up and... And hold his s- alcohol. Support his own little head. <laughs> his own sweet, tender little baby head <laughs> that he's got on his little baby neck. So the merchant Equally takes... Equally tender. 
equally sweet. <laughs> They're all sweet little nuggets <laughs> with sacks of their own waist tied about them. <laughs> yep, <laughs> babies are weird. <laughs> like sometimes they're nice, but sometimes, sometimes. They're, just, sometimes they're just really weird. I'd like to point out at this juncture <laughs> that the story intends him to be like a boy <laughs> of like 10 or 11. That doesn't no. matter. I think he's, what what think I intend him to be. Backwards but now he's a whole baby. <laughs> I don't. I listen. We have all of our twists already. We got to put a spin on this yeah. to differentiate it. We, that little boy has been done. We need an infant. Yeah, we need littler. <laughs> we smaller. must go smaller. Smaller, <laughs> cuter, more stubble. Yeah, the studio executives Sweeter, are never going to go for Drunker, drunker. <laughs> Sweeter, tenderer, drunker. Good tagline. So obviously. <laughs> The merchant takes pity on him in this state and orders the servants to get him some food and give him a job helping the cook. And at this point, the story drops its moral in the beginning of the story this time. Gets a leg up on the other ones. And explains to us that people are too apt to reproach those who beg with being idle, but give themselves no concern to find them work or consider whether they're able to do it, which is not charity. So look ashamed, world. Damn. The story just finger chided the universe. Chided dropping, you. dropping truth bombs. The story should team up with the midwife and the frog on the <laughs> don't be a dick front. <laughs> yeah. So now Whittington's life is pretty good, except for that bitch of a cook. Well, can't um, have it all good. And she kind of beats him around when she's not busy cooking all the time. Just kind of. I like to think she has. She super beats him. I like to think she has a super soaker <laughs> that she just regularly puts over the fire to heat the water up. <laughs> she just squirts boiling water at him that from sounds, time to time. That sounds canonical for 1354 century. to 1423. Oh, is that when this is? That's the lifespan of the real Richard, Richard Whittington, 1354 to 14. That checks out. 18th or 19th century, but... Nope. Okay. This is a, an even more rudimentary super. So this soaker. is like Black Plague. Well, we do all we do know from history that the super soaker originated as a torture device. He knows because he met the super soaker and shook hands with it. It used to be called the scalding soaker. So luckily, the merchant's daughter, uh, whose name is Miss Alice, learned about all the beatings and uh, made sure that everyone treated him well for the most part. So, other than the cook, the only issue that Whittington is having is that he keeps getting bothered by rats while he sleeps. And it's very difficult to get a full night's rest. I think that would be, yes. <laughs> so, one day, a visiting, a visiting gentleman pays him a penny to brush his shoes, and he uses this penny to buy a cat from a lady after telling his tale of woe to her and talking her down from the many dollars that she Two wanted. Two pennies? <laughs> yes. a real good talker. He is. I mean... How many times do you meet an infant with a stubble and, <laughs> and a, a tale penny. of woe and a penny? I have one penny. I, I just... would like a cat. <laughs> Please, one cat. Please, cat, for my penny. I have many wets <laughs> that bite me when I sleep. <laughs> Look at my scars. These are wet scars and these are cook scars. <laughs> <laughs> these are scald scars. <laughs> he adopts a cat, as you all should. This the adopt the cat month mm-hmm. for a penny for a penny it's all they cost <laughs> sometimes not quite a penny like 
20, it cost me $25 for Cricket, but that included all of her initial shots in the, the spaying procedure, so that was pretty good. It costs one penny in, like, thirteen twenty-five money. Yeah. Which is about $25. Does that check out? Yes. Okay, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you, Mr. History. Little, little rusty on that math, but I think it's mostly good. So, he takes the cat home and he hides it from the cook so that it doesn't get beaten. By association, (laughs) the cook just beats whatever's moving around. (laughs) If it moves, she beats. Uh, And and the cat did its job very well, scaring off the rats and presumably eating them and leaving their corpses by his face, as cats are wont to do. Right. Uh, Which is better than them scurrying across his body. (laughs) Right. So now he can can finally I'd rather deal with that problem in the morning than in the middle of the night. Right. That is a present. Yeah. So soon after the cat fixes his problems, um, the merchant, Mr. Fitzwarren, is preparing a ship to set sail. And he has a custom where he calls all of his servants to try their luck at selling something of theirs. And he doesn't charge them any freight or custom fees to do this because he believes it's it's pretty good luck on him. Like, God will bless him for being super charitable and helping the poor get a chance to take part of his fortune. So you think you can merch? Basically. This is the birthplace of reality TV. <laughs> Uh, Whittington has nothing to attempt to sell, but... Uh, <laughs> Rat corpses. Right. But Miss Alice really likes him and says that, that he needs to be called, and she offers to give something to him to sell. And the merchant's like, whoa, 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 that's against the rules to this very strict reality TV show that we've <laughs> we've created. Um, so Whittington has nothing but his cat, and the merchant tells him to go fetch the sell cat. Sell your cat. And he's pretty sad to part with the cat. Not because of any emotional attachment that you would definitely get with a cat that you adopted during this Adopt-A-Cat month. Mm-hmm. That would become your bestest best friend in the whole world. The floofiest best friend who will <clears throat> love you and cuddle you and beg for food constantly. He's mostly sad about the mice becoming a bother again. <laughs> but the merchant's daughter takes care of this by giving him something to buy another one. Instead of selling the cat and then buying a new one, could he just sell the penny? No, because then she would have given him something to sell to the merchant, Breaks and that would be against... It's too bad. Maybe he could say... He would be disqualified from the amazing merchant race. This is all by choice, right? Like, he was told to do this, but he can say, no, I don't want to do that. Theoretically, but he is a baby <laughs> with stubble who's drunk. They just do what they're told. Right. Yeah. So... As hobebos are now to do... <laughs> The cook thought it was pretty hilarious that he sent a cat out on a merchant ship, and I guess her way of expressing laughter is through beatings, because she... <laughs> she Beat gets, him extra hard that Yeah, night. she gives him a, a super hard time for the next few weeks about this. Um, Are we reading Harry Potter? Yeah, basically. This is Harry Potter's predecessor. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it wasn't Snape. <laughs> so he's having such a hard time of it, he decides to run away on All Hallows Day. And he gets as far as Holloway before he sits down and thinks about which way to go from here. Um, while he's sitting there, uh, the bow bells, there are six of them, uh, they start to ring. And it's from, the story says it's from the bow church, but the location, Holloway, is nowhere near these. So people assume that what they're, that what they mean are the bells of St. Mary's, which is a church near this spot. Mm. Um, so geographically, the story is on really shaky ground <laughs> for, for historical accuracy. So while they're ringing, he hears them say to him, Turn again, Whittington, thrice Lord Mayor of London. So the bells from the church become the three witches from Macbeth. You know what else has three witches? Hocus Pocus. 
The most perfect movie ever made. Should we watch that, Cordy? Um, we can if you want to. Did you forget? We're losing Cordy. I was just saying things and seeing what would happen. (laughs) I'd rather watch Pacific Rim. Does it have three witches? It would be better if it did. Depends how you define witch. Well, winning. Giant monsters and robots. Whittington decides that being Lord Mayor of London is worth putting up with the bitch cook, so he heads back. Meanwhile, the ship, with all the merchant cargo on it, is driven by contrary winds to part of the coast of Barbary, inhabited by Moors who'd never encountered the English. Mm. But they're really civil to the sailors, and they invite them all come on the shore and just have a good time. I'm sure they did. And the captain was pretty happy about how they were treated, and so he sent some of his stuff along to the king to look at, and the king is very pleased with this stuff and invites the captain and the factor to bring all the this, to come to the palace and eat with them and tell them about more of their stuff. So the king's antique roadshow. Yes. This is all the reality TV <laughs> based around selling things. Yes. <laughs> the one with the suitcases. Hoarders. Cold case. <laughs> Cold case. Uh, make it what are you talking uh, about let's make a deal let's make a deal or something like that let's make a deal yeah that's about what this is what this is about to become alright Howie Mandel yep and his his cadre of women (laughs) suitcase women the king and queen are decked out with gold and silver and they're surrounded by a ton of fine rugs so they're doing pretty well for themselves yeah and they bring out a ton of delicious dishes for everybody but as soon as the the delicious dishes are set down right rats and mice run out from everywhere and eat the dishes clean they were planning on that they were they're ready they know all the signals that was a strike squad (laughs) they have one mouse on the on the head chef's actually in its ratatouille style (laughs) ratatouille is happening (laughs) is this where that movie came from right and it's signaling to all the other ones when the dishes which are secretly prepared especially for mice and rats Are ready to be put out. This is a very cheese-heavy meal we're having tonight. How odd. Cheese and fruit. All How the strange time. of you, Chef. It's Why cool. must we always eat brie? And he just shrugs, because he can't do anything else. It's kind of like... Shrugs and mouths help me. Yeah, shrugs and mouths shoot my hat. It's kind of like the chef is a Jaeger. <laughs> We're shutting Gordy down. And the mouse is... We need, we need three microphones so we can just mute his. That <laughs> goes off on a movie tension. I'm trying to stay... I'm trying to give this some kind of a through line. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the crew and the captain are, are shocked by this action. By being ransacked. And they ask if the vermin are offensive to the king. And the king replies that they're very offensive. And I just want to take this moment to remind you that these people have never met Englishmen. Right. So again, we're on shaky ground with the reality of this. And he explains that he would give half of his treasure to be rid of them. Because they not only eat all of his food, but they keep him awake at night. But they ate the other half of his treasure. His treasure was all He's only got half left. (laughs) Which half would he give, though? The half that's inside the rest. I think he'd try to give that away. Yeah. It's some monkey pod <laughs> genie shenanigans. If you can get the treasure out, it's yours. I mean, it's basically the deal that Aladdin got in that giant mouth guy. <laughs> Whatever his name That was. is the opposite of the deal that Aladdin got. Is it? Yeah. He yeah, was, I he guess. He used to touch nothing but the lamp. Yeah. Which is why I got trapped in the first but, place. But that's 
the deal for the lamp. If he can get it out, it's his. That's what I meant. Ah, the tr- the not the bogus treasure. So, so the the rats are the jaguar sand mouth. Kind of. And the treasure inside the rats the are rats. the Jaeger sand mouth. <laughs> yes. Jaeger sand mouth. And the treasure would be a good episode <laughs> title. <laughs> <laughs> it's so irrelevant to everything. <laughs> Just a good sentence. It doesn't nothing about this story. <laughs> doesn't have to. Or even what's been going on in Gordyland. Oh, oh half his treasure. Half his treasure. And then the Hobebo is like, <laughs> I know a thing or two. The Hobebo's about... not here. He should be. I know, this is the merchant's ship. Like, I... even the merchant's His not cat's here. on the ship. But he didn't go but with it. Would it. Behove, behoove him. It would behove, <laughs> it would be it would be hobo him too. <laughs> it would to be there so he could be like, I know how to get rid of your rats. Well, that's not how merchanty things work. So the factor, who is the actual guy in charge of selling the stuff, is pretty gleeful to hear this, and uh, he tells them about the creature they have that can get rid of their problem. And the king's like, Oh, bring that one here. And he goes full salesman mode. It's like, oh, it'd be so inconvenient to part with her. Like, our stuff can get eaten. She's so We're going to get ransacked by rats. It's just it's just a hardship. But <clears throat> for you, I will bring her to show you. Three quarters treasure. He goes off back to the ship. And meanwhile, um, the ratatouille rat is preparing another feast <laughs> for everybody. And when he, he returns with the cat, just as the mice and the rats were about to partake of the feast created by their king, Ratatouille the, the Rat, or whatever. Remy, Remy the Rat? Remy. Yeah. Remy the Rat. <laughs> and Linguini. Remy, Remy <clears throat> McRatatouille. And the cat jumps down and goes on a gleeful murder spree. And everyone is impressed. So, um, the king wants to see the cat closer and the uh, the factor's like, here, pussy, pussy, and, and brings the cat up. And the queen is at first afraid to touch the creature that because just because she's half rat fully murdered everything you <laughs> she is you've she is, listened to too many folk tales <laughs> she's some kind of genetically engineered mouse woman <laughs> following the example of the factor she says here putty putty because she hasn't learned english mm-hmm. in the like three hours that they've known english right they do all their negotiating and the king end up, ends up giving ten times as much for the cat as he does for any of the rest of the cargo and the ship sails back to England after all the trading is complete. Good scheme. So uh, the merchant Fitzwarren is doing some business in his merchant business quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people come by and say, we've got news of your ship, Unicorn. <laughs> what? Is that what it's called? Yep, they named the ship Unicorn. Cool. We find out now. Okay. Um, and then he opens the door and they're standing there with a shitload of jewels. Um, and a good portion of these are for Whittington. And he calls for, for Whittington, and he's real thrilled about this. And some people are like, why Why are you telling him he got all of this? Like, this is way too much for a poor boy to suddenly be in possession Give of. Give it to us instead. Is he a boy now? He's always been a boy. <laughs> I know, but in, in our canon... Carmen is trying desperately <laughs> to course correct... <laughs> His age against our, our our tide. I'm not used to playing the straight man in any situation, so it's really uncomfortable to me to be constantly in this position uh-huh. just because I'm telling the story. I just 
I just liked that you tried to do that. I'm tempting. He suddenly became 15 years old. Okay. That much time passed. In the course, when he lived... His cat lived and died. (laughs) A wonderful life. When he heard the bells tell him that he was to be thrice Lord Mayor... Um, his balls dropped. His balls straight dropped. His <laughs> voice deepened. His Adam's apple just popped out. <laughs> like, That's how they do. Yep. And, That's uh, how it works. And he swaggered back to town. A full, still bestubbled, still drunk, 15-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> With a much bigger headache now. Yes. Just like you see in Britain today. Yep. So, uh, yeah, all the people are telling him this is too much, but he is an honest merchant and insists that it all rightfully belongs to Whittington. And so Whittington at first doesn't want to come because he's he's dirty and he's still got a ton of chores to do. And the merchant insists... Who doesn't understand rich yet? <laughs> right. no, hold on, I have to finish my chores or I'll get scalded. <laughs> the, the cook just... <laughs> super scalder in the corner. What you doing over there? Scrub get faster, back to boy! Work. It ain't washing. Because apparently she's southern. <laughs> he could oh. probably buy her cooking shop. The Ooh. kitchen? <laughs> well, I don't know what it is. She's is it the a, personal cook a, for cookery. the... She's the personal cook for the merchant, so she just oh. is in a kitchen. Okay, yeah, they did say that. I've been imagining them in a restaurant this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> also run by a rat? Yeah. Urchin and Sis drags him along to the merchant place and sits him down. And at this point, he's 100% convinced that this is all a ruse to make sport of him like the cook does. I guess he's braced for scalding. He has low (laughs) self-esteem. Braced for scalding. And he is shocked and surprised when they show him that he now has more money than the merchant is worth. Whoa. And... He tries to give it all back to the merchant, and the merchant refuses it, and he tries to give it to the merchant's daughter. This merchant is an angel yes. in disguise. So he, yes. like me, is made uncomfortable by having access to money <laughs> and just attempts to get rid of it as soon as possible. He's like, right. he's like, no way, kid. You know how many Wii U's I could buy with this? <laughs> Take it. Get it away. Build a castle of Wii U's. <laughs> I... I seek to unload gift cards as soon as physically possible <laughs> because I'm made uncomfortable by the amount of power that I hold by owning them. It's less a 100% true thing. He walks around the apartment antsy as though something is burning in his pocket physically. As though robbers are en route. <laughs> they know and they're on their way. He's anxious about what do I buy with this and spends like an hour looking at options and then runs out of the house <laughs> and makes sure that the gift card is gone at the end of the week at most. So yeah, this is this is what you would do with all the jewels. Um, so then he he accepts the money and he gives out some presents to all of the servants, even the cook, in spite of the fact that she so little deserved it. Was she at least appreciative? Who knows? They don't. They don't make something up. <laughs> she loved it, and then also scalded him with the super scalder. <laughs> well, I don't know how I feel about that. She, dead in the eyes. She expresses all of her feelings and beatings. So she she, she just, smiled and punched him in the nose. Did she okay. just hit him in Morse code? Yes. She hits "thank you" into his face, <laughs> um, and he's instructed to go buy a suit and clean himself up. And look more the status that he is now. 
Look like you own the jeweler, upon. too. Right. And the merchant offers to let him live in the house until he can find a better one for himself, which is pretty nice. Mm. And once he gets all cleaned up and uh, gains the confidence that only money can buy you, it turns out he's pretty handsome. And Alice, the merchant's daughter, falls in love with him. Ooh. And the merchant's like, hey, you like him. He has money. You two should get married. And they're like, oh, okay. That <laughs> Works out pretty cool. Oh. Uh, so he just did the the thing. The rags to riches. The thing in movies where like they take off the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> he was of. there the whole time. Yeah. Just covered in dirt and rat bites. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and burns salt. and scars. <laughs> he, he, he was just covered in dirt and bubonic plague. Well, history relates that they lived happily together and had several children and died at a good old age. Um, Whittington served as Sheriff of London and was indeed thrice Lord Mayor. Good good going. Um, and once toward the last year of his term, he entertained King Henry VIII, V and the Queen. And the King said, Never had a prince such a subject. And Whittington replied, Never had a subject such a king. And the King was so impressed that he made him a knight. That he gave him a bro fist. Basically. <laughs> Except when kings give you a bro fist, you're now a sir. <laughs> you get a title with it. Right. Everyone else has to acknowledge that it happened forever. <laughs> right. Sir Brofist. Um, so Whittington, from this point forth, made it a thing to feed the poor citizens. Um, he built a school with an allowance for poor scholars. He built a hospital and a bunch of other boring stuff that you can probably read about in the history books. I definitely did. So you met them all. <laughs> you met the hospital. You I were there when they cut the hospital. I like to think that he just put a money chute on top of his house, <laughs> and every once in a while he'd just pull the cord and open up the sluice gate, <laughs> and coins would just fall on whoever was walking by. That is the end of the history of Whittington. Go adopt a cat. Yeah, you'll get rich. And become a mayor. Cat equals rich. And a you knight. heard it here first. <laughs> history professor tyler mm-hmm. how'd that pan out um i'll fill you in on what happened to the cat since the story neglected to do so uh the cat discovered the ratatouille ruse in a incredible seal team cat squad attack mission mission uh, and <laughs> dra- dra- <laughs> and dragged the mouse out from under his hat for a public execution <laughs> And there was much rejoicing. And all the mice ran away to form Mouse Island mm-hmm. and elected a queen who was the actual queen of that coast. Yeah. Who was afraid of the cat. Right. She <laughs> She became the mouse queen. <laughs> when when she saw her brethren captured by the cat, she started to shake and <laughs> she actually just broke apart into many different rats. That was forming a human body with somehow. With one mouse in the forefront controlling them all. Yes. And that became the queen of the So mice. she was a rat king. Yeah. You're saying. Yeah. And like, then they went to Rat Island. They founded Rat Island. It was Mouse Island. Mouse Island. Yeah. Well, they founded Rat Island. Oh, and then, And then and in, the in city... a bloody civil war, it was renamed <laughs> Mouse Island. And then was ransacked by cats much later. It, yeah, this feud goes goes on for quite a long time. It's deep. It's it went on for longer than 
Whittington was a baby, which was many, many years. <laughs> he, Most um, of his life. Most of his he life. Had, he, had, he was a, a baby. Uh, he had kind of an alternate strain of Benjamin Button disease, sort of, where it doesn't work. Well, you age backwards. Well, you're um, just a middle-aged baby for a little while, and then you suddenly jump up Yeah, to... he, he just... Time hit him in spurts. Only when he heard important things yeah. about himself would time just suddenly fast forward. Bells told me something. <laughs> yeah. I hit puberty. Like six minutes ago. I'm interested in girls now. I want to punch things. <laughs> I want to want and destroy. <laughs> yeah. Let's duct tape someone to a tree. <laughs> Turns out testosterone is a pretty strong drug. <laughs> so this is a folk tale. Of a real person, which I think is the first we've had. Probably. That How it, did Whittington feel about that? Um, the real Richard Whittington lived from 1354 to 1423. The written form of the story did not appear until the early 1600s. Okay. Ah. Uh, but there's some art that predates it. Interesting. Uh, and there's some contention about the actual dates of the art. But they don't predate it by too many years. So did we just read his Wikipedia page? Basically, but as written by him, like he wanted a sweet origin tale. Okay. Because so uh, this is the comic book that he passed around right. to everybody. <laughs> okay. Check out my sweet life. Because the real Whittington was not from a poor family, um, nor was he. Orphaned. Nor did he ever own a cat. There is no compelling evidence that he even had a cat, but. <laughs> The uh, the Wikipedia article. He's a dog person. Is uh, is clear to point out that there is no compelling evidence that he didn't own a cat either. Ah. So he has Schrodinger's cat as a pet. I see. He had both. <clears throat> what pray tell would be evidence that he didn't own a cat? I think if they found a sh- like a shirt of his that said no cats, I, I hate cats, or I would never own a cat. That would be pretty good evidence. I do not, <laughs> will not ever own a cat. And then on the back, it's hashtag dogs. Yeah, <laughs> they found like like one of his night shirts that said that, <laughs> or maybe his his mansion was in the shape of not a cat. There's just a cat shaped hole. <laughs> In the yeah. center of his house. But you could argue under the, um, I think, the Zen philosophy mm-hmm. that that absence of a cat, that cat-shaped hole, is in some form or fashion still a cat, philosophically speaking. So whether he had a cat or he did not have a cat, the spirit of a cat was somehow tied to him. Mm-hmm. It was the spirit he, animal. Did he perhaps inherit this spirit animal from a past life? Potentially. Was his middle name Cat? Are you going somewhere with that? No. <laughs> There's a, why, curious. why? No. I was just curious Maybe if he had his, like an No, import. never. Maybe his ancestors were all cat people. And so he just inherited <clears throat> like this cat spirit totem. Cat people as in? Pandora. Uh, Either way. Okay. Like, as in they liked cats, or they were, in fact, part cat. Jellicle cats. Um, the British were well known for having, like, ancestral spirit animals in this time. Yeah, I think that's a 100% true thing about every British person. It's a long-standing English tradition. I that's know. what the golden compass was about. They have Something to, like that, yeah. They have to make sacrifices to their ancestral animal people. Mm-hmm. Every new year. And create works of art and literature about them. 
Well, Alice Fitzwarren was the real name of the real Richard Whittington's wife. Um, no idea if she was actually a merchant's daughter or if the merchant Fitzwarren existed. Because nobody cared. No one. No one cared to ask. Nope. Did she own a cat? There's no idea how a cat became attached to this story, historically. They don't know where that came from. But the story bears... <laughs> it's a cat conspiracy. Bears a striking similarity to um, several medieval tales from other regions. Mm-hmm. Um, including Italy. There are two in Italy. Germany and Persia. So there are lots of stories about um, people going from rags to riches with the use of a cat. <laughs> with cat propulsion. Yeah, the, like their cat... Rid somebody of a plague of mice, a and then they propelled get rich quick scheme. <laughs> right, so that's just another point in the why you should adopt a cat. Yeah, it's maybe a, you, you never know. Maybe rats were just a common problem in all those places. You never know what indigenous people you'll come across. Rats are a problem in our apartment complex. Wait. Not really. You don't take out the trash every week. On a scale from none to none, they how many outside. jewels do you think your your land? Lord there are tons has. of them. <laughs> Wait, we're going to get different. What did you say? I said on a scale from none to none, how many jewels do you think your landlord has and can give away to a cat that rids this place of rats? Um, I think it's an invalid question because Cricket is not ridding anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I adopted the wrong cat for this get-quick-rich scheme because Cricket does not kill things. She just captures them and drops them on my feet. I She makes friends. I may, um, maybe I'll bring my cat down. Yeah, your cat can make you rich. <laughs> Cricket had a bird land on her head out on the balcony and then fly off in a panic when it realized what it oh, had Oh man, done. this is a cat. <laughs> because it didn't recognize her for one at first. That's kind of an insult a to her. Bit. Well, she followed up by not... There's no way this is a cat. By not... Oh, wait, this is a cat. By not reacting at all until it was out of her reach. And then she's like, oh, wait, shit, I'm supposed to kill that. And then she, like, tried to get it, but it was long <laughs> gone. Made a good faith effort. Right, so, yeah, my cat's not going to make me a mare or a knight. Uh, but if you go to a shelter, you might adopt one that will. Even if you don't and you become Lord Mayor of London some other fashion, maybe someone will tell you a story and then years later they'll put up a statue of you with a cat at your feet. Because that's what's... That's what happened now. Yeah, Whittington statue has a cat at at his feet now, um, which would be hilarious. I hope he hated cats. (laughs) If he was allergic to them. And his ghost just spits on that statue. (laughs) Fuck you guys. His of ghost all, is eternally peeing on that statue. Of all the uh, the origin stories you could have chosen for me. This is quite the PR campaign, though. Yeah. If a politician showed up now and was like, I was orphaned and wandered around. And a cat saved my life. Until I came to New York, where I was beaten by... Rats. By the personal I, um, chef. I think I'm going to use this... Of a salesperson. I'm going to use an adaptation of this story... For my campaign for state senator. Good. It's all coming together. And you'll use your cat, who would You wouldn't have run if you hadn't heard this story. My slogan is going to be Brock the Vote. Why? Because of Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) Brock uses rock types. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Does he use cat types? (laughs) Not to my not. I mean, he uses Vulpix, which is not a cat. Nope. But it's closer than a rock. I don't have any... I don't have a landing... 
like a landing place for this idea. I just I just want campaign signs that say Brock the vote and has Brock's face on them. Back to story. This kind of has some Puss in Boots elements too. A little bit, yeah. I don't know that I'm familiar with Puss in Boots outside of Antonio Banderas's portrayal. Um, um, the cat in Puss in Boots obviously pay, played a much a- more active role in the Rags I assume to Riches that it wore tale. boots. It did, in fact. And talked. That's about all that I know about it. Uh, yeah, and that one, the cat is a trickster on behalf of a poor boy and just goes out and lies to people about how great his master is. So it's Charlotte's Web. Until yeah, yeah, basically <laughs> it's Charlotte's web. He goes, he goes to Kings, and he's like, "That's some boy." <laughs> Until through through he's various circumstances, don't slaughter him. Through various circumstances, the cat tricks the giant into turning into a mouse, and the cat eats it, and the boy inherits the giant's castle. And just kind of goes along with all the cat's lies until the cat makes it all work out for him. So it's Charlotte's web. Yeah. But yeah. there's some similarities, except that this cat is just sort of thrust into the position of being important, the arbiter of, of I mean, Winnington's it, it fate. It just does cat stuff. Yeah. Right? Like it, pretty normal cat things. It doesn't seem to be perturbed by anything that happens to it. I don't think it enjoyed the ship's voyage. Probably not. Because um, they said it would At least use... there weren't 999 other cats on that ship. <laughs> That's true. So it had a pretty good deal. <laughs> Do you have any picks for the biopic? Because I don't. Not at all this this week. To cast? Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. As the cat? As as <laughs> the baby. And the and the grown-up version. Are we using CGI or are we doing the uh, <laughs> some weird indie interpretive um, practical effects nonsense? Okay, fine. He can be the old one. And then for like the 15-year-old version, it can be um, whatever his name is from Hugo and Ender's okay. Game. He's like 15 now. Butter whatever. Butterworth. Asa Butterworth. Asa Butterman. Butter, Butterman? Butterworth. Asa Butterboy. <laughs> Butterball. Mrs. Buttersworth. Butterfield. Asa Butterchamp. Whatever that guy is. Lando Lakes. And then he grows up to be Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. And the cat is Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Voiced by... Because um, that infringes on no copyrights. And then Eddie Murphy is the merchant. <laughs> And Mike Myers is there, too, somewhere. Mike Myers is Miss Alice. It's it's just another Shrek. <laughs> this, is one of, this, is Shrek, this is Shrek 5. That should, that should be the title of the next Shrek movie. <laughs> it's just another Shrek movie. <laughs> you know what's the, happening the by poster now. It's just all the characters just like, what? <laughs> it just says, it's just another Shrek you know what to expect. Just come give us your money. How you many are there? Isn't there five? There were four. Four, but weren't they yeah, making cool. a fifth one? There were shorts and stuff, so I'm sure it adds up to like a billion. But <laughs> okay, That's for theatrical release, that is DreamWorks. Yes, yep. they were like, "This is what made us successful. Let's kill it." Oh God, let's cling to it. <laughs> let's squeeze it till there's oh, no God. more breath in it. But, then, but wait, DreamWorks also did Dargans. Yes, mm-hmm. they did the best animated movie. And then some of the And then ones. all the worst ones, too. I guess they just... The contrast between How to Train Your Dragon 2 and Mr. Peabody and Sherman <laughs> is enough to, like, destroy worlds. You know when you take a hot, 
glass pan straight from the oven and you put it in the freezer and it cracks. That's what DreamWorks did Does to, to the animation. World. <laughs> <laughs> they did That's to DreamWorks' own, master plan to their own to do studio, to the world. apparently. Yes! Just, ugh. I'm still not going to forgive you for making me watch Mr. Peabody and Sherman. You're welcome. That was worse than, like, Yowie High. Uh, historically accurate, though. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Alright. That'll make this a lot more difficult. I appreciate a well-researched film. Yeah. You would appreciate... <laughs> You can't even you can't even get that out. <laughs> the historical accuracy in Mr. Peabody and Sherman. You can't even Because you can only speak truth. Yeah. You broke you broke on the you will appreciate before anything involving Mr. Peabody and Sherman. There was only one time that I laughed at that movie and it was during the credits. That should tell you something. Because it was so Is it a laugh of relief? I wanna say good. Yes. I my I was holding my breath from excitement and shock and awe. We're done here. Yep. Another good week, <laughs> I think. Yep. We solved this one good. Flag flag <laughs> of surrender to the hobo babo. The hobo babo. Daniel Day Lewis, the hobo. See you next week. I, I if think we, we I think we sound more and more defeated. <laughs> At the end of each of these, <laughs> as these go on, we need to we need to bolster our defenses against these stories. I think okay. they're starting to get the better of us. We can't let that happen. We'll have to like, nitro up before yeah. the next one. We are we are above these stories. Remember that. Yeah, they are but hurdles in front of us. We are the watchers on the walls. Yeah, the sword in the, the darkness. <laughs> the stories will shout. Save us, and we say no. I was going for the 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 game of Watchmen. The what are they called? Huh? Not the Dark Brotherhood, even though the, the the Knights in Black. The good Lord, the Game of Thrones people who are up on the big ice wall. What are they called? I don't know. I didn't read it or watch it. The Knights who saying me help. <laughs> no, the, the helper. We look upon you. Take the bl- and the Knights we... Watch. I was that was for the night. I was going for the night's watch, but it's night. Hold with... on, hold on, hold on. What you said? I'm pretty sure in those past few sentences, both of those words separately from each other, and you couldn't remember what it was called. You said the knights who watch stuff, and you couldn't remember what they were called. It took a second. So the neuron got redirected. Somewhere it yeah. shouldn't have been. I think what happens is you know, we have to turn off the air conditioner for the recordings, <laughs> and Gordy just melts yeah. like, more just and more. <laughs> just goes in your in your Georgia heat he that I'm not down. used to. Yeah. yeah, having grown up in North Carolina and Indonesia, <laughs> just yeah, never got acclimated to heat. Also, never purchased shorts. Let's we're, go. We're gonna cut this off so that. <laughs> So we can get Gordy some some air. An ice pack. <laughs> and, and see if we can get him functioning yeah, super again. Super soaker filled with cold water. Happily ever after. happily ever after. 
This has been What the Folklore. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have any feedback for us, you can leave it either by Gmail or Facebook. Our Gmail account is wtfolklore at gmail.com, and our Facebook page can be found at facebook.com slash wtfolklore. Feel free to send in stories if you have any particularly odd pieces of folklore or mythology that you would like to hear us talk about. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales.